If you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or follow us on any of our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at liveonfourlegspodcast and on Twitter at liveonfourlegspod. And uh, earlier this evening, I know that you've got a uh, uh, rock, rock and roll hall of fame, flame, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is in Cleveland, yeah? Is it not? I saw it last night. Where's the drove by and uh, I don't know who runs the place, but uh, those people who uh, live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, I just Rolling stones. And where's the fucking Iggy exhibit? God damn it. And so, uh, what I was going to say is that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's over there, whatever, near the airport, wherever the fuck it is, Holiday Inn, whatever. But actually, tonight, this seemed a little closer to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, because you had Iggy Pop play right before you, right standing right here. And uh, let's say the next time we play, it's going to be, you know, a year, maybe two or so, I hope, if it happens. And... Uh, if Iggy's not in yet, uh, after the show, we're all gonna go down there, just blow the place up, get all the guitars, the Beatles outfits, Jimi Hendrix belt, you know, movie stuff. Uh, anyways, uh, and away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience. Featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. to live on four legs podcast this week my name is john farrar uh randy sobel is on break this week he's uh taking a well-deserved rest he's been working pretty hard so we, we gave him the week off i do have uh we have a guest this week he he's one of our patrons he's uh, been around since the beginning he's joined us a couple of times and he's going to be here to talk about a show from 1998 that he was at and we haven't covered a lot of 1998 shows so i'm really interested to to dig into this a little bit and and get into this um it's patrick bogle how you doing i'm doing well how are you doing john good man thank you thanks for coming on oh absolutely glad to do it we always we always appreciate your uh your expertise um before we get into the show we do have some some news that happened this week if you guys uh heard about it saturday night they had the the concert you know, together at home, 
uh, the big benefit show for Global Citizen and all that, which Pearl Jam has done shows before, so no surprise. But uh, we knew that Eddie was going to play. Uh, we didn't know what he was going to do. He ends up doing River Cross solo on the pump organ. And it, I thought it was beautiful. Like, it was one of the best performances of the night. You could tell, like, his hands were kind of shaking as he was playing. I don't know if that's a function of him being 56 years old or letting the emotion of the moment kind of get to him. But I did notice he, it looked like he broke down crying near the end of it. It was really intense performance. Uh, did you get to see that, Patrick? What did you think? Yeah, I saw it. He was, uh, I, I mean, vocally, that's as good as I've heard Ed sound in a long time. I mean, he was, you know, he was dialed in. He really was yeah. uh, passionate. And, you know, that's that's typical for him in terms of, like, things like this. He, you know, it's... He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't mail it in when he's. Yeah, he didn't even do. I think the second and third verses. He he cut it short. I think it, the the moment maybe got to him a little bit, and the intensity of it. I think he cut it short a little bit. Yeah, I think there's that. I think there's. Uh, I think there's a little bit of the you know the influence of um, of Neil. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I harken back to when he he and Neil and Mike played at the, um, I can't even remember what the name of it was, but it was like yeah, a, the a concert ten, for nine 11 or yeah, something. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, initially Ed wanted to play, I think it was, give me some truth. It was. Yep. Yeah. And, and Neil was like, yeah, not tonight. You can, we can do that next month at the bridge benefit, but tonight we're going to do mm-hmm. this. And, you know, and that's, that's like the things that he and the band have learned about things. I, I so I think he pulled back a little bit, on the song just to focus on the yeah because it does sentiment. get it does get a little political yeah in that yeah. in that that second and third verses so that that might have been might have been part of it as well that's a good point all right so uh so tell us about uh what what show we're going to be talking about today you were at this show right yeah this is uh, as a young as a younger man as a, a half of my <laughs> uh self practically um i was 25 when i went to the show i can't wow. even believe it so this is uh, August 26, 1998 at the Blossom Music Center or what was now, the Blossom? it's technically Cuyahoga Falls, which is, I think, out closer to Akron than Cleveland. But people but people call it Cleveland. So it's just in that general, you know, metro Cleveland area, right? Absolutely, yeah. So uh, it's, it's um, you know, this was like night three of four that I saw this week on the yield tour. This was, uh, I like really, uh, myself and a buddy of mine from college, um, had decided that we wanted to get out and go to, uh, a few shows. And, uh, so this was, um, the week that we ended up choosing. So we went actually, um, to Barry, Ontario on Saturday night. Uh, so that was the 22nd. Uh, we didn't do Detroit. Uh, we actually went from, from Ontario to Cleveland and hung out there for a day and then popped over to um, Pittsburgh for the 25th. And then um, this was the the night after Pittsburgh. And then after this, we headed on out to the first show at Camden, New Jersey, Um, did uh, just the first night there. Then we um, got back together for shows a few weeks later when they came back to the New York metro area. Nice. Now, was this the the first time you had seen them, the first tour? Had you been to some of the earlier years as well? I, I don't remember if we talked about that before. Uh, I went to uh, the first shows that I saw were on the No Code Tour. I okay, went okay. to uh, the the first show that I actually saw was at um, Maple Leaf Gardens. Um, okay. And so you're a seasoned professional at this point. I 
I not quite. I think I became a seasoned <laughs> professional by the binaural tour. Right. I was uh you know, it was like I was into it big time. I wanted to you know, I, I, I actually I think I you know, one of the things like I think about with this tour and even going back to the the no code tour was um a lot of the like a lot of my reference point for the band when I started seeing them was 1995 because I listened to so many of those tapes that got out whether they were the you know just general audience tapes or a lot of those monkey wrench radio tapes that came out so like everything Mm -hmm. that I was seeing was like hyped up around that and this era in 98 is obviously vastly different for a number of reasons you know obviously they had the switch over before the U.S. tour starts with Jack um uh, having yeah, to... Jack, Jack leaves the band in March, I think, after that Australian tour, and they have to scramble making calls. Yep. You know, the famous story from the movie where, you know, Stone's on the phone with, with Matt and says, hey, Ed wants to talk to you. Mm. Hey, hey, what are you doing this summer? <laughs> uh, nothing. Uh, you want to go play some shows? Sure. So, yeah, and then he had to learn all these songs uh, in just a few weeks before they went out on tour. Yep. But yeah, '98 is a is a unique time, and we we've only done really those those MSG shows, uh, which are famous in their own way. But yeah, like this this '98 show was they were a different band than they were in '95 and '96. Like they had lost a little bit of the ferocity that they were played with. They were a little more relaxed. Like they're getting into their mid 30s now, early 30s. So things were a little different. Like they're a lot of those early songs had been dropped. Like they, we've talked about, they weren't playing Why Go, they weren't playing Deep, they weren't playing Glorified G, Leash. A lot of those songs had kind of fallen to the wayside. Did you, how did this compare to those 96 shows for you, this little stretch that you went to? At the time, I think I was, to be honest, a little bit bummed out just because I was a huge No yeah. Code fan. Yeah. And the other thing was, I was, I was, I loved Yield and I wanted to hear a ton of the tracks from from the album and they kind of you know even some of the songs from this album was hard for them to get them into uh rotation which was just a little bit of a bummer and you know and that's also like you get six at this show which is decent but you know you would think it might have been even more maybe yeah but it's and it also tended to be those six you know there was heavy mm-hmm. heavy right. rotation of uh given to fly Brain i think no Jay. way no way had debuted the, the night day, before yeah. maybe yeah yeah and that was you know was, that was completely off the cuff it wasn't even like gonna, they weren't even going to play it um they just kind of threw it in because somebody was, had a sign that said no way and they just they just decided to to do it in the encore um but Oh, we'll get to we'll get to the signs later. I think there's a there's a reference to something that happens in a couple of weeks that later <laughs> on in the set. So, but before we get started, I want to mention uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Patrick is one of our patrons. Like I said, if you uh, if you want to join uh, Patreon, it's one dollar a month. You get access to all the bonus episodes that we're doing. We're doing evolution episodes where we take a song and we track it throughout the years and see how it's changed and evolved. We've got the Bridge School series that we're going to be doing. We've got uh, the first night of 1996 coming up soon. We've got, we do bonus episodes with outtakes from these shows that we do and little, we got a poll coming up. We're going to, you're going to get to pick the next evolution episode that we do. So, and you get to come on a show. So pick a show that we get to cover. So check that out. It's patreon.com slash live on four legs. That's the number four. And also, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, click subscribe 
and subscribe to the podcast. That way it just shows up in your feed. You don't have to worry about finding it every week. Uh, that's a big help to the show. So uh, what do you say? Let's get into this a little bit. We've got a, we've got a short set list comparatively. We've got just a main set and a, and a small little encore one here. Now, Ed comes out on a skateboard. Uh, now, do you remember where you were sitting for this? Were you able to see the stage fairly well? Uh, yes. So here, the the trick with all of these was, um, you, if you remember with the this tour, obviously being the return to Ticketmaster, um, mm-hmm. you could only get one show with your fan club tickets, and then it was everything else was like, you got to get what you can get. So I, I used um, my fan club for... Um, Barry and uh, we had GA there was a special GA section there so for the other shows it was hard to get tickets so a lot of people would talk about how it was easy to get tickets I found it <laughs> very very difficult to get tickets yeah. for these so we were on the lawn for most of the shows for this show um, my friend who I w- was uh, doing this this week-long tour w- with Joe his his uh, cousin um, there you had family that lived in the Cleveland area. So she knew people that worked at the, um, at the venue. So we had, um, we had lawn seats, but she knew one of the ushers and, um, it turns out that we were able to be snuck into the back end of the main section of the pavilion. Um, and I didn't feel bad about it because no one was sitting in the seats, which was weird. Um, so there was like a (laughs) row that had like four or five seats just empty. And he said, okay, you know, when, once the lights go down, you guys can get in there. So we were on the back left side, um, of the, of the amphitheater. Okay, cool. Now, were you able, now we actually, I should mention too, we actually have, a recording of the sound check of this show. I think someone outside the venue, probably with a little Walkman or something, recording. And you, you know, it's it's not the great quality because they're recording it from outside the venue. But you hear people talking and stuff. Now, were you able to go hear the sound check? Were you one of those people that was kind of milling around, trying to trying to listen into what they were going to play? Yeah, we were partying in the parking lot. People were coming back and telling us. And from the day before, we were, you know, we were picking up on some of the stuff that they were. Go check, check you know, Five Horizons. Yeah, so uh, we were yeah. we were getting uh, an idea of what they were uh, sound checking all pretty much, you know, every day. Um, at that point, you know, yeah. usually with something pop up, but so we knew from the day before that they. I mean, we heard on the twenty fifth in the pouring rain them sound checking mosquito uh and then the the same thing happened although it was much sunnier uh in cleveland on this day so we were in the in the parking lot and people were running back like oh they're sound checking red mosquito again i'm like okay <laughs> get my <laughs> yeah, hopes they, up they weren't playing it a lot on this tour it's one yeah. of those i think that not one of those original ones that matt had learned yeah that that no code was like really, really subdued on this tour, other yeah, than definitely. other than the opening track, <laughs> right. Of this set, yeah. They actually they sound check Black Diamond, the Kiss cover. Yep. They sound check Noise of Carpet, which is a Stereo Lab song, which had been tagged on Daughter a couple of times. It would show up one more time after this, I think. Uh, Leatherman, which does show up in this show. Yep. Off he goes, and Red Mosquito actually yeah. with with Ed playing a little harmonica. I think they were trying to work out how that was going to sound. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of a cool little artifact that we, we still have access to. Ed skateboards out onto the stage, and there, there's no slow open in this one. He says, let's go, and then it's right into Hail Hail. Hail Hail. 
Yeah, they hammered right into it. But Hail Hail came out firing on all cylinders, and they were right in it. Oh, yeah, he does. He does say, you know, the lucky ones. I refer to those in front, which he we just started doing again around this time. Yep. And then there, there's some really nice Cameron stuff too, like in the the bridge and the outro. He's doing some really nice fills and some nice like Jack-ish tempos and like little rolls and stuff. It's it's well it's well played. Yeah, they they run right into it. And that was the only no code song. So we are done. Thanks, Patrick, for joining us. <laughs> uh, no, just kidding. We we got a whole other show to go to. But yeah. Like you mentioned, no code, not not a lot of songs out that on this tour. Uh, probably just a function of again, you know, Jack being such a unique drummer, and Matt maybe not wanting to, or maybe taking longer to kind of approximate that sound. So after Hail Hail, we get into a little set here with Animal, Given to Fly, and Corduroy. So we kind of have the the reverse of what we have now, where they come out maybe and start with a slower song. Then they bust into the little punk rock set. We get we get the faster songs first, then we slow it down a little bit. Uh, what did you think of uh, of the new songs that you got to hear? The the first one you get off a of yield there, given to fly. You know, in especially listening back, going to any of these 98 shows and listening to tapes, it sounds so good. It's so well-tempoed. Um, just love the openness of it, um, and it just kind of breathes and soars. And, you know, these venues, like, unfortunately, you know, obviously they, they don't do these the sheds anymore. They, had, they haven't done a, a summer tour like this in, gosh, like since, like, 06. And, yeah. Uh, um, and it just sounded so good. I mean, this is like one of those venues that was is just built for this type of rock music. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll we'll play the intro. It's it sounds so slow and plotting. It's when it might even be slower than the album version. Yeah, because yeah. it's one of those that, that Cameron was really. I'm sure you know he was going back and listening to the albums because they didn't have time to to get rehearsals. But yeah, it's compared to what to what you would get later on. It just sounds like. It just sounds like it's dragging, but it's it's not. It's great. Yeah, there's there's space. There's room for McCready and Stone to kind of play around and and do some little things, and Jeff to kind of meander around and do his thing. And it's it's it sounds like you know it sounds like the album version, which is which is great, and we, we don't get that anymore. Yeah, it's much much different, much different. So Corduroy is next, and two two heavy hitters back to back we didn't even really talk about animal which is great as well another heavy hitter off of versus but corduroy the intro is a little different he's strumming instead of just picking did you did you pick up on that what did was he doing that a lot around this time uh, yeah i think it, a lot of the shows had that you know depending on whether they because they had 
um, this was the first tour that they um, started the um, couple of times with Interstellar Overdrive. So, right. the, but on some of the um, on some of the nights, he was doing strums versus pick. Um, and yeah, I don't. Is, I don't think I like it as much. Yeah, I I prefer it the the pick way, and I think also at the yeah. time that you know again I'll reference back to that like '95 tour and how big and open and oh yeah, like, and the Soldier Field especially it's one yeah. of the best versions ever. Yeah, and uh, and so it's this took getting used to for me when they kind of just changed up the the vibe of the song a little bit. <laughs> loses a little bit of the tension in like the build-up yeah yeah you know because when it's it's such an iconic thing when he's picking those those notes like yeah it gets everyone in the crowd going like because everyone's anticipating when the song finally crashes in and when he's kind of when he when he kind of strums it, you kind of lose a little bit of that tension yeah 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 definitely so um after that he says uh we're on a roll mfc and you get a little set here with mfc immortality footsteps into even flow uh what stood out to you from this little early version early set mfc um just i mean the the intensity that they attack this one this is one of the ones from yield that i feel like i my, my memory is serving correctly that they definitely played quite a bit this was one that they yeah. were yeah 50 it's a pretty straightforward times. rock song it's yeah not a lot not a, a lot of complicated drums in there so but, makes sense and they and they had not yet started doing the untitled right that started in september i believe yeah i think maybe yeah. maybe they did it once or twice hmm. at some point but yeah i don't i don't think it started until september at that point was was there a song in this set that made it onto live on two legs i meant to go back and look but i didn't not this one okay uh, so it was the only ones i i think i think that from uh that were on live on two legs even from this week were there was like part of even flow from the night before. That was yeah, one of the they, ones they where spliced they... it into two. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, maybe mosquito from the night that I missed, which is oh, a, okay. a, a kick, another kick in the teeth. Uh, <laughs> well, there's there's nothing from the show that I went to either in Atlanta, so don't feel bad. Um, after MFC is a is one of the highlights for me. A great version of immortality here. Yeah, this is th- this little run that they go on here w- was it's it started to set the night of what made this one um, pretty special. Um, you know, Cameron is 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 fantastic on this recording, even with it being you know uh, like I said, it's multi track mix of a couple of audience uh, recordings and an uh, assisted listening device tape, but you can really crystal clear hear him, but this is where McCready just goes off on a on an entirely different level. Um, oh, yeah. There's a couple of points where you can hear the crowd on that first solo at the, like the three and a half minute mark, where it he just sends 
the, you know, the place completely into a frenzy. signal of things to come yeah and we should mention too this has been a a recurring theme in the podcast the last few weeks we did that oslo 2014 show but i guess ed's voice is not in great shape here they've been they've been on tour for for a couple of months and you know they weren't spacing out the shows quite yet like they they did later but he and he's thrashing his voice on these faster songs like we didn't mention a hail hail an animal there's some great just throat shredding screams oh yeah yeah and, this is and a couple later on too when you get to a couple of the faster songs later but yeah he's he's he has not yet learned how to how to pace his voice yeah and he also he had a, ended up with like a nasty cold at mm-hmm. some point during this week but because by the time we're you know in uh camden new jersey in the, the tail end of the week he was power snotting onto the stage oh, it nice. was it was uh it was quite gross um so <laughs> he was definitely feeling the effects of uh of, of both night out night in night out performances mm-hmm. but also was uh, a little bit under the weather okay but yeah immortality i think is fantastic again they 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 do jam it out a little bit at the outro it's which is unique for the time like cameron hadn't really gotten to the point where he was comfortable i think doing that on a lot of the songs but this one is great and like the the notes I have just you know Matt and Mike perfect like it's it's a one of the best versions of this year I think yeah I I, I just th- this was one of the things that grabbed me the most out of the show really at the time and memory wise and immediately when I was like I got to get a tape of this show and it was oh, yeah. and so, another another heavy hitter too we'll talk about that too like there's so many like if you think of all the songs that were played in this if if all these songs were played at the same show now you would be like you know, that's one of the best shows they've ever played in their history because you got so many like of these kind of crowd moment songs where it's the, they're uplifting and it's, it's a moment for the crowd. Like I always talk about and, and immortality is just another one where it's a, it's a special moment. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we do get uh footsteps and even flow here. Uh, footsteps also really good. Another kind of unique choice for early in the set here. Um, it's it's a little more of a an electric kind of uh not necessarily rocking but a, a little more heavier version than we normally get of footsteps nowadays oh yeah i mean this is unique for the era um by the time they they go out and play it and um 
at the bridge school in 99 was when yeah, they yeah. brought the har- harmonica on and um and and basically that was you know in all of the uh recordings going forward but this is just like straight ahead you know really really old school in terms of its feel and you know in many ways like you can feel like the the vibe and the um original touch of almost times of trouble in this yeah yeah they're definitely channeling some of the early intensity of it uh even flow a chance for to rest his voice here what do you remember about uh watching mike solo on this that must have been is absolutely wild this is a behind the <laughs> behind the uh the head with the guitar oh, yeah, yeah. and uh which is which is not as hard as it looks people that's that's just showing off it's not a difficult thing to do it, it was definitely showing off but and then uh some some absolute uh, maniacal feedback shredding going on towards the end of it where he just got himself right up on top of the uh, his um speaker stack and just was creating all sorts of uh joyous sound um but he was in the zone you could just like at the at this point of the night this is a song where i know nowadays you know people are like oh even flow i've heard it you know it's been 890 times or whatever it's been played but this was i feel like this time frame this this portion of 98 was when Ed felt like he wanted to make sure that everybody understood, you know, what kind of guitar player Mike McCready was. And this was when he finally started breaking out of his shell. Like he, I think he was a great player before this, but this mm-hmm. was when he finally started getting comfortable that he was, you know, on stage with this band and that he was not just somebody to to sit back on the side as much as he could. And I think he'd, he'd been to rehab at this point. So he was maybe getting clean or at least cleaner than he had been earlier in the band. I think if you, if you go back and watch single video theory, he's, he's gained a lot of weight, which is a good sign. Yeah. Um, And this was, this was also like the, that period of time was when he first started battling with Crohn's mm -hmm, like openly that, um, And uh, I think a lot of that, some of the, even that, some of that weight gain, I think had to do with um, maybe medication that he was taking for that. But yeah. And they did those, they did those shows opening up for the Rolling Stones in 97. And I think that was big for him too, realizing like, like, wait a minute, like I have to, I have to start taking this a little more seriously. Oh, absolutely. Cause that's, you know, we were the bands that, you know, that you grew up idolizing and and now suddenly you're, you're opening for them. I I did mention that too, because I want to give a quick shout out to, uh, Charlie, the drummer of the Rolling Stones, who played some excellent air drums that the was other fantastic. night on their, on their performance at the, uh, together at home thing. That was amazing. His high hat on the uh, <laughs> armchair was, uh, was quite impressive. Uh, yeah, go, go check that video out if you haven't seen it. So even flows great after even flow, Ed comes on, says, uh, mentions the throat problem, says, Hey, I could use a little help on this one. If you've got it in you and it's Jeremy, which is still their biggest song probably at this point. Yep. Uh, we get a little set here. Jeremy in hiding and daughter. What stood out to you here? In hiding and beyond the, that, the, um, elasticity of daughter that I had come to expect, um, probably a little bit, uh, um, from listening again back to those 95 shows, 
96, they kind of, you know, there were kind, there were a couple of times they played Daughter in 96 where they kind of just played it straight through and they didn't really tag it. Um, and there were, there are other times that they, you know, they put on a couple of tags. But the yeah. tags in 98, this, the jams that came back in this time frame were very cool. Um, I love the vocal, um, just like, you know, games that ed plays on these beyond just the the tags the you know the the echo effect um that he's putting on to the uh the um the the tags yeah he was doing a lot of a lot of interesting like vocal kind of like experimental type stuff like doing some it almost it was it sounded like almost loops or like echoes he like his head had the microphone running through a pedal or something yeah that was that was interesting that's a little bit of the you know experience of some of the different music that he was listening to and participating with over the last couple of years but um but yeah daughter you get a uh a little tag of the pretender song called my city was gone which is about uh, the pretenders from akron song about cleveland were you familiar with that song at the time yeah yes okay um um, so it was that was definitely uh welcome to the the hometown crowd there i mean everybody was into that um you know and that, and that that was like 
one other thing that you, that stood out about this tour, this was the beginning of Ed, like really making sure, and you hear it th- throughout the, you know, the tidbits that he, um, you know, lays out through um, track by track on this night, but he started getting big into like referencing where they were um, yeah. and really drawing in yeah. people to about what was going on in the, uh, with the show based on where they were, um, and not just being, you know, we're popping through. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't just, I mean, you do get a WMA here, but it wasn't just another brick in the wall WMA every night. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, after daughter, we get back into the, uh, the uptempo with brain of J and rear view mirror. Again, Ed just sounds shredded at the beginning of brain of J. He is pushing his, his voice to the limit absolutely um and that was that was one where they were trying to find like where this was in the set you know they were battling between is it an early song two three or is it you know this towards the end and you you look at the set list and it's like they were they to me it it worked wherever they put it but they were trying to figure out where they wanted it to go um and this is this was one of a, a string where they were playing it towards the back end of the main set for a while. And this was too, I think we've talked about this with uh, some of the shows in 94, 95, 96, is they would break up the set list depending on when Ed was playing guitar. So it looks like in this, he probably played for Corduroy, MFC, Immortality, Footsteps, maybe. Do you remember exactly when? And then he took it off probably for even Flo Jeremy in Hiding daughter is, it, is this the point where he puts it back on or was it not to a rearview mirror do you remember, do you remember? um it was rearview mirror where where he came yeah. back and played so they were so they were you know before they had 18 guitar techs and you know people who could run out and switch the stuff instantly like they do now they would they would base the set lists on ed you know ed's not going to play guitar than he is for these few songs yeah then he's going to take it off for these few songs and he's going to put it back on for these few songs so that's why you get the songs that you get in these little runs here. So uh, after Brain of Jay, we get a little uh, Iggy Pop reference. Of course, Iggy opened up the show for them in Cleveland, and we'll talk about that a little more later. Um, he does a little bit of The Passenger. I am the passenger. La, 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 la. Right into Rearview Mirror and a, another great version of Rearview Mirror. I mean, what, what else can you say about it? Uh, it's, you know, this is one of the, of the, you know, what would be considered sort of those two classic older um, extended songs, Porch mm-hmm. and this one. Um, Porch it was kind of put to the side for this tour. It was only played a handful of times. Rearview Mirror yeah. um, wasn't played every night, but it was played much more frequently and they were you know really really feeling different things out this was when ed was really big into uh playing with an ebo um obviously from you know wishlist but he was using it on, mm-hmm. um, on rearview mirror and they were you know just starting to figure out with matt how to make it bend a little bit um and um get some you know of his 
flavor into the song. Um, yeah, he mentions, I think it's during the first verse, he's talking. He's I think someone is off in the playing, and it takes them a second to, I don't know if it's one of the guitarists or what, but then he kind of goes, that's it. When they, when they finally kick in, and yeah, kind of lock into the groove finally, and from there it just takes off. Yeah, he missed. He also missed. Uh, I think he missed yeah, one of the yeah, verses. Yeah, there's there's a little there's a vocal mix up there, but um, yeah, I mean I, we're not going to hold it against him. No, <laughs> especially when he has a cold. <laughs> so after review mirror, this is the the thing I want to talk about here. So he sees someone in the crowd. He says he says put your signs down. We're we're not we're not gonna play that. Put put your signs down. Is this are people putting up the breath signs at this show? I don't recall the breath signs at this show. Um, I wouldn't because it was only a couple of weeks later. Yeah, at that MSG show when they finally brought it back. I'm thinking that that because you know Cleveland's it's it's far from New York City, but it's not that far. I'm thinking that because that kind of started online. It's, and I'm thinking that there were breath signs at this show. Oh, it certainly could have been. And people were requesting yeah. things, you know, every night. Um, yeah. There were, were people with signs. It's it certainly could have. Um, my the first time I saw it was at the Meadowlands, the uh, bef- the show before the MSG shows. Already the end of the first set here with, uh, again, just more heavy hitters: Better Man, Wishlist, and Alive. Yeah. And what do you what do you remember about the end of this main set? The build up. Um, you know they. Better Man wasn't quite yet the the monster that it became. You can hear the crowd singing though. Oh, I, absolutely! It, it, it you can hear it in the boot. And this this is a good sounding bootleg for 1998. It, you know, give give whoever whoever was taping it credit, but you can definitely hear. And anyway, Ed's voice is loud and crisp, but you can definitely hear the crowd singing along to everything. Oh yeah, they were. I mean, people were into it. It's just it, it's not as huge as some of the. The versions that uh, people might be, you know, might reference whether it's. Uh, yeah, yeah, he hadn't he hadn't started letting the crowd take that opening verse there. Yeah, no, he was not. He was not yet. You know, you, you heard at Jeremy and in hiding and where he, you know, offers that he needs some help. But um, he right. would offer. He wouldn't let. <laughs> <laughs> at, at some point, he didn't have a choice. Like the crowd just took it and it, it overwhelmed them. Yeah, absolutely. And they they had started doing Save It for Later, right? That started in '96, yes, I believe. Yeah, but you know, no, no Save It for Later on this one. No, very few. I think only a couple of times um, on this tour that it got tagged, but uh, this was just straightforward. Um, yeah, and good, solid, well played. And again, this is one like going back and listening to it. I think I appreciate it a little bit more. I think at the time, oh, yeah. um, I wasn't. Uh, I was bad back then. I like I th- I didn't like that other people like were huge into this. This was like this is one of the other things about the like when they went into this tour. You know, it was um, they they put out the poll of do you want us to play with Ticketmaster? Do you want us to continue doing what we're doing? And I was probably one of the like ten people that was like keep doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. Everybody else was like go back with Ticketmaster. Um, so like, you know, I was like struggling with that where Ed was at with this band. Like, you know, he had the Ian McKay side of him mm-hmm. and then there was like the Bruce Springsteen side of him. And it was like, which, which of was going to win out. And I probably would say, you know, I, I can't claim to be a gigantic Fugazi fan, but I appreciated that aesthetic, um, 
a little bit more. Um, so I, I'll, I'll have to have you as a guest on my my other Fugazi podcast that I'm starting. Oh well, I would love to talk about the <laughs> argument because um, that's a great record. Um, oh, I love them all. I'm always threatening to start a Fugazi podcast someday. I'm but so, I mean, I love going back and listening to this song, though. Like I, I, I did not appreciate it enough back then, and now going back and hearing some of these these earlier versions. God, it's such an undeniable melody, man. It's it's one of the. I mean, this is a song. This isn't a adjective usually associated with me, but it's one of the prettiest songs that he's written. Like that melody is undeniable, and yeah, they tried to fight it for for verses and vitality until the story you know brendan finally convinced them to do it but a funny time he he was going to give the song to chrissy hine from the pretenders yeah yeah and and brendan said no please do not do that <laughs> yep but it's it's such it's such a perfect melody of the song it's you can't you can't hear it and not just bob your head to it it's there's something about it that's just perfect it's a perfect pop song yeah i've 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 since long come around. There was a, there was a, a love hate relationship with it for a long time. I loved it the first time I heard it on the Atlanta boot ninety four mm-hmm. when they played that over the radio, and I was huge, big into it. Um, and it just took me a long time to come to terms with how huge it got. Um, and that's my issue. That's no one else's. <laughs> um, but it, it, I oh, love yeah, it. I remember it got played on like top forty radio. Yep. We get into Wishlist here, which is, you know, 98 for me, you know, Wishlist is kind of, it's kind of lost something now. It doesn't have the same vibe to it that it did back in, you know, 98, 2000 era. I think this is the classic time for Wishlist. I think these, these versions are some of the best you would get. Um, what did you think of, uh, of Wishlist here? He gets a little lyric change, as fortunate as you all, and then he does a little bit of the the radio song line at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I would totally agree too. Like these earlier versions um, are are what I kind of crave, um, and I love yeah. this on the record. Mm-hmm. I I always felt like they struggled a little bit to articulate it live. I think they they got there in different ways. Um, in the 2000 2003 tour yeah they started tagging it with why can't i touch it yeah by the buzzcocks which i thought was great yeah and so it's a song that i really love and i just i i always i tend to gravitate towards the um the yield recording because it just sounds Mm -hmm. it's it's a song that just that plays well on the record um but they they definitely go back to these these shows and then you just yeah, hear it's a, a song that vibe. just kind of gets it just kind of gets overlooked now it feels like it's it hasn't really had the staying power i mean you've had you've had low light come on and and stick around you've had in hiding is stuck around even something like all those yesterdays feels like it gets played more than wishlist these days but yeah yeah i remember watching them play it on letterman and watching ed you know do the ebo thing take that solo and him just being so awkward and just thinking like, oh, this is so good. Like, I love this song so much. And then it, it just kind of, it just sound, kind of fell out of favor with them sometime in the, in the 2000s. Yeah. And then they, you know, and now it's, it's a little bit 
too high tempo um, when they do play right, it. It, right. it ends up being like a Luke in the list. <laughs> oh, if only, if only. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Wish It Was a Radio Song, and then we get into Alive. This And another just McCready, the McCready show. Yeah, what else can uh, you say? This, getting this to close the main set and in this fashion was just absolutely stellar i mean it's he's sending like lasers and missiles over the crowd even throws in a little bit of war pigs into war, it. war pigs yeah i was gonna mention absolutely and uh just it just again laden with that feedback i just remember him but uh, you know up against the stacks and just trying to get sounds out of his guitar um and it's just you know the place is overwhelmed uh you know a huge song for them a huge hit for them and to coming back and then um and then you know just dropping you know this to end the set the place was like exploding and the way he shreds on it just sent people over the top and like 1998 was a weird time for alive like it it had kind of fallen out of favor like it you know we, we we've talked about some of those versions from 95 where he was kind of like i don't know why we even play this song anymore like it felt like they could have started to kind of go through the motions of playing it you know the the curse hadn't yet been lifted if people know what I'm talking about there like it obviously was it was very powerful and at the end of the 2000 tour when they finally brought it back in Seattle and that kind of started the the new era of it but yeah like for for McCready to just take over the song like this is a great you don't get a lot of great versions of alive in 1998 but this is definitely one yeah I, and i think if you go back there's there actually there there's a handful of really really good ones 
Um, but this one is a really particularly stellar one. Um, it's right up there with the the Madison Square Garden night two that, you know, yeah. uh, people. I think when it, whenever he throws in the war pigs, he knows he's onto something good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we get the uh, encore break here. Take a short little break. And I want to talk about this, too. Like I mentioned, a lot of the heavy hitters. Look at this. You get Given to Fly, Corduroy, Immortality, Even Flow, Jeremy, Daughter, Rearview Mirror, Better Man, Alive, all in the main set. That is that is nonstop. Like, if they came out and did that nowadays, people people's heads would explode. Yeah, if this was a main set to a show today, yeah. people and it was played at this intensity, people would be like, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But yeah, they, they come out, back out for the encore. Uh, not a lot of talking at this show. You know, I mentioned a, a couple of times Ed talks about his throat, but he's not very ta- he's not in a talkative mood tonight. So we don't we don't get a lot of uh, a lot of banter in the encore break like we we sometimes do. But they they come back with uh, small town. Yep, and uh, yeah, and the his the whole this whole tour even two thousand there was a little bit, but it, that that like long let me give you a, a story stuff really didn't yeah. start until like the mid two thousands occasionally yeah. he would do it, but he was you know they're opening bands sometimes two uh so mm-hmm. they were quick to the point you know he wanted they they kind of got you know a little a little something in and then it was right to business uh small town's great, I thought very you know it hadn't quite gotten to the the epic sing-along that it is but they definitely do the hello do you were, were you one of the ones screaming hello yes trying to be as loud as you could everybody was at this point yeah. i mean <laughs> people were the, the one thing that i recall for sure about the show is that people were so like um just like emotionally high off the main set yeah oh how could you not be that you know coming in and playing this and there was there was it, this was one of those ones that was starting to build into that crowd participation and um, and expectation type of thing. And this is a place where I like this song. I love it to be opening an encore because it's kind of just like yeah. eases you into the rest of the night. A lot of times it, it's even become like something that they open like an encore too. With. Yeah, absolutely. And then we're we're fast and furious. Uh, to the end here, we got do the evolution into Leatherman, into Black. And this was, if I, if I remember, I went back and looked, this was right around the time that the, the Do the Evolution Do the Evolution video had premiered. Had you seen that video by this time? No, because the, the video itself came out two days later. Two days uh, later. On the 28th. Okay. But they had been playing it on the, you know, they didn't have the elaborate stage set up back then. It was, you know, the candelabra that they had up um, above the stage, yeah, it had some of the candles and um, torches off to the side, but this was the tour where they had that big backdrop, basically just like a, a giant curtain. And mm-hmm. um, in the probably in the past two tours, they had that there, and they would just be doing more lighting effects on it. But this week, they started playing during Evolution clips from the video so you just like you were starting to see these things and people knew a video was coming but it was like you were trying to put it together no one had seen the full thing yet um so what i do recall is at all of these shows you just seeing like the you know blips and 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 cuts of the um what would be the video do you remember anything in particular that, that that kind of struck you like any 
clips from the video, like the skeleton girl or anything like that? Or do you remember anything that kind of stood out to you? Uh, the, the, probably the only thing that I can really say that I remember is like the, that, like the spinning earth element that like okay. the, seeing the planet, but like everything else was so fast and furious. Like, Oh yeah. It's, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, do the evolution again, another song now that's, that's become a touchstone like moment for people and another heavy hitter song. Yeah. And this, th- this is when he could still do the big howl. So it, Mm-hmm. Um, didn't quite hit it tonight cause the throat was hurting, but <laughs> sure. at some of these shows, it was intense when you would get, he would get it just right and he would cup the mic and get that huge echo. So, oh yeah. The, like the version from, from the monkey wrench radio, I always go back to is like the perfect version. Yep. So you get kind of a weird B side thrown in here. Leatherman. Yep. This, this is a, a funky one because and he doesn't really, they don't really like, it's not like, hey, this is a B-side or hey, I think this is on the Given to Fly single. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if it had, it probably been out by this point. Yeah, it was. So maybe people had heard the song, but yeah, there's, it's, you know, nowadays you get like, oh, you know, you get a little intro like, hey, we're going to play this one. Nobody really, maybe you don't know it, but they just go right into it. Yeah. They, I mean, most, you know, like the hardcore fans definitely heard it because it was on Given to Fly yeah. and they'd, they'd been playing it. Um here and there uh, yeah a few times especially i didn't go back and look but i think it's this is in like the the first five or ten performances of the song i believe yeah they they started busting it out at the tail end of the first leg and then had played it maybe one or two times before this night on the second leg but it you know sounded good it was it's a funky b-side with a, a wild little story of where it comes from and um and it, it's clear why it didn't fit in yield, you know, it, it would never have, in my mind, it never would have fit into the the structure of, of that yeah. record. Um, I should say to the the twelfth performance of Leatherman. Okay, just for for clarification. But yeah, Leatherman is one that like, it's not even on Lost Dogs. I think it's one that that Ed kind of feels a connection to. Like he maybe wanted people to go out and and search for it. He didn't want it to be up at the front with all those other B-sides. Yeah, no, I mean, and if you go to the, uh, I believe it's MSG2, where he talks about uh, where the song came from and how they were, um, it's basically a a trail somewhere outside of of, uh, the New York City metropolitan area, and they, you know, found the guy, uh, had basically built these caves and the story was about how he would travel from cave to cave um and uh he he was just fascinated about that and turned it into uh a, you know a pop rock song well, maybe someday we'll get to hear leather man 2 <laughs> which is supposedly like a slower darker kind of take on the song <laughs> they say yeah he wrote two songs about it he, he said that in an interview one time but we we got leather man 1 but we still have not heard leather man 2 around the bend is leather man 2 Uh, um, so we get to the end here Uh, Black, Bob O'Reilly, Yellow Ledbetter great version of Black
not to you know beat a dead horse but mccready was just so good this night and he really ripped this out and absolutely you hear at the, the end solo, the solo is amazing you hear at the end even like ed was impressed with where he was so he was like gonna come back with just a little subtle we belong together he didn't mm-hmm. belt it out it was more just like well if, if he's gonna do that then maybe i've got to <laughs> reference the stuff but i also think that you know at this time you know that's something that you know fans that had been with a band for years at this point had you know remembered from performances like unplugged and whatnot and those were some of the things that were coming back on this tour because again this was a this was a big like return to you know prominence tour by you know being out at venues that they had not been in for at this point three years yeah and this was the beginning to this that that tour in 98 this one the tour in 2000 and the one in 2003 are kind of like the classic live era where they really established themselves as as the arena rock force that they are now yep but yeah after blackhead comes on and says you know playing drums someone special matt cameron we finally get to get to introduce um cameron would have was was that something that people knew already or did the people around you had like who, who's playing drums for them now or that had that had kind of already established itself right i think it had established itself but there you know there certainly were a portion of fans that you know, weren't yeah. weren't entirely tuned in. I mean, especially yeah, Sound Soundgarden had just broke up. Like they put out the album. That album in '97 was it down on the upside. '96 or '97. Yep. And then just real quick broke up after that. Yep. So people were like, "Wait, why? Why is why is the Soundgarden guy playing with Pearl Jam?" Yep. And and also, you know, a lot of people that had come out to see them did not had not really had an opportunity to see them since 94 because the 95 tour was right. sporadic at best. <laughs> and the 96 tour was short in, in the U S I mean, it was a uh, S and Canada that would played what, like 13, 14 dates. So people, right. people really hadn't seen them for a while. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, there were, uh, uh definitely a, a bunch of people that were at these shows that were, you know, coming back to the band for the first time in a while. Yeah, Ed. After this, Ed does a a little speech about Iggy Pop. Talks about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a little bit. Uh, probably end up throwing it in here, but uh, Jeff comes in, talks about Iggy and the Stooges. Why isn't Iggy in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? We should point out as a footnote, the Stooges did get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2010. So everybody can relax. We don't need to go raid the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and steal the Beatles costumes and the Jimi Hendrix stuff. Uh, it's, it's fine. Uh, but we get uh, he does that leads into Bob O'Reilly mentions the Who. Yeah, it does lead into Bob O'Reilly, and we should also say that Iggy Pop mooned somebody in the audience <laughs> during his set because uh, they weren't paying attention in the first or second nice. row, and so he, oh, he's the best. He's a legend. He was uh, he was not having it, so he was uh, he was on fire tonight. Um, Excellent. But yeah, this is this is a nice version of uh, Baba. I mean. It, it, this is the time where I, I I know that people want to see this these days. I know it's part of like, you know, the traditional three song ender for the most part, but this is when it was still a little bit unique. Um, and you know, I think what maybe they played it like five or six times this tour. Yeah. It, it showed up a lot in the early days and then kind of that 94 through 96, it wasn't around very much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, 
it was it was really good to hear um and it's, it's a very good version i think they were amped up you know obviously the stuff that they're talking about rock and roll hall of fame and and mm-hmm. the who so they they play a lot play around a little bit with the end too there's a little jam at the end that's cool yep yep So then, yeah, then we, we're going to close it down here. Just one encore, in and out, yellow lead better. Thanks, good night. Uno mas, he says. Yep. I don't know if there's there's a big uh, big Spanish-speaking contingent in the greater Cuyahoga Falls area. But, uh, yeah, yellow lead better here to end it. And, again, like, not quite the the thank you, like the big moment that it's not still a little slower version of yellow lead better. But this is, this is the point where lead better had become – to starting to become the go-to for the end of the set. Yeah, this is the the tour that it became the monster play. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it I think it was twenty five times that they closed out shows um, on this tour, and that's it. even considering they were doing a lot of 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 two night two night sets in the same place. So that's even a higher percentage considering you know they're probably not going to do it both nights. They were they rotate in and out with other things. Yep, but it was another one for you know for Mike to to really shine. You know, this is the beginning of what we get today. Yep, absolutely. It's it's so interesting to go back and and I can't wait to do to do more of these ninety shows. We've only scratched the surface of them, but yeah, like and you know, it's it's easy to just look at the set list and overlook it because oh, you know, they didn't mix up this and there's there's not a lot of rare songs, but the versions that you get are so interesting and so good. And it's, it's so interesting to go back. Like you talked about going to see these embryonic versions and like what Cameron's doing on immortality and how they're how wishless sounds now how hail hail sounds how given to fly sounds you know it's i I love going back and listening to to this whole 98 section of the tour and it was the first time they they went back afterwards and put out a live album yeah so uh so they they knew they were onto something yeah so uh that that's our set amazing uh what about uh what about your top three moments uh so top three for me would be um immortality for sure um and these are all gonna bunch up a little bit footsteps would be a very close to my top three but it's not quite there um because in hiding was just fantastic um we it was we kind of just we we we, we skimmed over a little bit but it is excellent and when you you look back at how rare it's become and you and hear it and we kind of gloss over also the fact that stone just sounded great on that driving that song um so in hiding definitely in the top three okay. and uh and then it's hard to go between which of the two classics on this one but i'm gonna go with alive over black but that's a hard call Ooh, okay well i will i will see your immortality 
and I will I will raise you a black and a given to fly. I thought, yeah, black is amazing. I, I like the little We Belong Together add-on at the end. I thought it was really nicely done by Ed. Uh, McCready just tearing the roof off the place. Um, Immortality, we talked about, is, is probably the moment of the show. And then we end to get the this version of Given to Fly, how it it really builds slowly in that intro and it gets to a really nice place and there there's space for everyone to to fit in and there's you know the guitars are playing around and it's ed's voice is great early in the set and i I thought it was excellent so those are my three yeah i can't argue with that those those are good good choices i love the show (laughs) (laughs) now i'm gonna defer to you you were there so you you get to give your your rating first. What 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 is the rating for uh for being there? You obviously you remember a lot about it being, you know, 22 almost 22 years later. So obviously this little this little run of 98 shows made an impact. How does this one how does this one rank? So I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to play it live on f- four legs first here. I'm going <laughs> to for these shows, this is right up there. This is like just of the shows that I saw. Um, and then I've listened to tons of shows from this tour, but, you know, trying to be as objective as possible. But this is right up there and close to MSG2. I would say for this tour, this is a nine. Um, I okay. think I think looking at it in the totality because of all of the different things that have come into play f- for this band, um, I would say, like, in the scope of their catalog, I would say somewhere around an eight to eight and a half. But uh, for this tour, this is right up there. Yeah, I was thinking, so you're going to go with a nine, yeah. if I heard you correctly. Correct. I'm somewhere in the, the seven and a half, eight range. I'm going to lean towards eight because, yeah, like I talked about, it's – it's such an interesting time for them to go back and yeah, like you, you're not getting an encore too. You're not getting something crazy rare, but the versions of songs that you're getting are very interesting. I thought Hail Hail is a great way to open. Uh, Immortality is great in hiding daughter footsteps, wish list black, even to get something like Leatherman, get a, get footsteps. Like they did throw some, a little more rare songs in there. You get a good mix of older songs and newer songs. So I'll I'll go with an eight. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I I I totally get that, and that's why I said like it's there's almost like two different rating scales: the the tour scale and the the scope of their career scale. Um, yeah. And you know, this is definitely one of those things where you know, having been there, I got a, a little bit more of a, a feel or flavor for it. But in hindsight, when you look at this, this is one of the things about the '98 tour. I'm really starting to enjoy going back and digging into this a lot more the last year or so. Some of the appreciation for this tour at times is super nostalgic because it was like that first big tour that they did. And I try to be as best as I possibly can objective and not be like, well, I was there or this tour was great because I went to so many shows. And um, and I think, you know, you look at the, the, the amount of material this band has put out from a live output it's hard to to sit back and say well this is one of the greatest of all time it's certainly one of the more interesting 
time periods and uh, and again like you know for this for this tour it sounds fantastic and it's so interesting to go back to absolutely yeah i can't wait to do to do more of these shows as we get later on in the year and into next year you got to find somebody that wants to do <laughs> alabama find somebody that wants to do alabama yeah nine three yeah that's a good one that uh, the first time I saw them was the next week after this in Atlanta, and that was a great one as well. Yeah, yep. They they did a couple of more no code songs in that one, which I appreciated. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. I think we're we're gonna we're gonna get out of here. Um, I'm I'm not gonna try to do Randy's little spiel that he does at the end. So I'll just say thank you to everyone who's listening. Uh, stay safe, stay inside. I know uh, things are tough. We appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much again to all the patrons who continue to donate. Uh, we really appreciate it. If you're looking for more content, again, that's patreon.com slash live on four legs. We have a lot of, of extra bonus stuff up there. So if you're stuck at home, you, you need something to do. If you feel like that's something you'd be into, $1 a month gets you access to everything. We really appreciate it. Uh, we've got stickers. Uh, we've, we've got tour shirts that went out, hold on to those when, when we get, when we get the shows back and we'll just, we'll, we're taking it one day at a time right now, like everyone else is. So, uh, we'll see you guys next week. Again, remember to, to hit subscribe, uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. I'm sure Randy will be back from his break next week. Uh, for, for Patrick Bogle, thank you again. Thank you so much for joining us. That was great. We love getting the, the firsthand experience. Uh, anything you anything you want to say? How how can people find you if they want to find you? Oh, you can find me on Twitter, on Facebook, wherever. And anybody that is into this show or other shows from this tour that wants to uh, to get more material, if you don't have it, hit me up. I'm I'm out there and I'm happy how about, to. How about let's 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 do something for these people. If if you've made it this far through the show, uh, send an email to live on four legs podcast at gmail dot com. That's live on four, the number four legs podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I will send you a bootleg of the show. Sounds good. I, How about that? That sounds great. We're, we're going to give something to these people who, who stuck it out this long. So um, for Patrick, um, John Farrar again, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, stay inside, stay safe. See you next week. Later.
Cause they never let you down 